All right, are we recording? Yes, Welcome sir. everyone to the 69th recorded episode of the Rink Rat Report podcast. Started on my own. It, you know, it was what it was. But now we got a great crew here. As always, John, by, joined by Josh and Jason. What's up, guys? How's it going? Forza Zuri. Forza Zuri. <laughs> Very excited about that, but more so excited about the fact that we finally get to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and not sound like losers. Ooh. New season. Cup's been awarded. Now we have a new season, 2021-2022. Parade's been done. Exactly. Now we're on to 21-22. It's, so. it's coming fast now. It's coming really fast. We got really a fast. hell of a lot of the dates over the next coming days that are important oh, in yeah. July. Expansion draft. Actual draft, free agency, funnest month in all in all of hockey. I think is July other than pretty much. Hockey, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then after that, it just drops off like a cliff. It's kind of a Bobby Margarita's in August. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then on top of that, there's other dates too. Like the um, people have to submit their lists and everything. So a lot's going to be coming in these coming days. We're going to get to more some of that other stuff in around the league and what in terms of what happened in this past league. Other than Nikita Kucherov getting really, really, really drunk, um, but to start our little conversation, we're gonna get into we're gonna get into a little Leafs talk. Travis Dermott signed a two-year extension, one point five million AAV per. What do you guys think about this contract? So just specifically for the contract, because we're gonna, I think we're gonna get into we're gonna mo- get more into obviously we're getting into the expand. I, did a terrible job of introducing this episode. We're talking a lot about Leafs expansion draft this episode. So we'll get more into probably what type of player Travis Dermott is and all that. But what do you think of the contract itself? So the, the signing, the contract itself is a, is a little rich for Travis Dermott. He's a, he is, was played most of the season, but when it came to playoff time, uh, it showed that Sheldon Keefe showed that he doesn't really trust Dermott over, Rasmus Sandin and I don't think that's going to change at least for the first couple of games and and going into the next season you got to assume that uh I it's 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 a toss up it's it's like it's a, he's the 6th or 7th defenseman I think on the depth chart maybe um assuming we get another defenseman but his contract is two two years one and a half it it's I would have liked the number to come down a bit he only made 800k last year his qualifying offer would have been 875 something like that and I just think it's it's interesting because we kind of made a simu- similar deal with Ilya Mikhaev, expecting him to kind of pop off, pop off, and uh, I wonder if I don't know. I don't know about that though. I don't know about that. Mikhaev showed more last year mm-hmm. than Dermot has ever showed, especially statistically to earn his contract that he got compared to what Dermot just got. Go look at his numbers from last year. Yeah, going off of what you said, the weirdest part of the, about this contract was essentially Dermot doubling his AAV. And yet his minutes completely plummeted. He did not play. I looked into it. He did not play one game over. I shouldn't have got off the numbers here. I'm so stupid. But uh, he didn't play one game over 20 minutes at five on five for sure this year. And over the past couple of years, I think he had nine total. Nine total games playing 20 minutes or more of five on five hockey there. And this year he just played absolutely nothing. I'll look it up. I have that no, those numbers here. But... No, it was four. Never mind. Four games, 20 minutes over, and I think nine total 
or more. Are you sure that's not just 20 minutes straight of ice time? That might be 20 no, minutes it's five on five on five. So over the last from 2018 mm. to 2020, oh, okay. he played a total of 15 games of 19 minutes of five on five hockey or more. I was doing I was running some numbers, okay. on that, crunching some numbers there. But this year he, he played one game at 19 of 19 minutes of five on five hockey. And that was it. We saw very limited responsibility from him. I mean, his defensive numbers were great. His offensive numbers sucked because it just seemed like get to the red line, dump it in, dump and dump and change kind of thing. And he played what? What was his average time on ice? Thirteen minutes this, this year? year? Yeah, thirteen, thirteen. It's horrible. Like what? Like a, what are you expecting a defenseman to do in that time? And b, well, he did nothing in that time. Like, what was Travis Dermott this year that? allowed him to earn himself a double in his contract value. So that's the thing, not to interrupt what Jason was saying, but like Micaiah, for example, he had 23 points in 39 games last year, and he got $1.6 million. That's probably yep. like, they actually probably were stingy on that deal for him. That was also an arbitration, though, if I remember correctly, right? Mm, don't believe so. Or was it they, they settled two, before? It's a two-year deal. One, six, three, and they I agreed. they like, settled. Okay. Right. It was like, because I remember his agent was it Dan Milstein too? Probably. His agent it was Dan Milstein said like uh, we, you know we came down a bit from like the number we wanted basically. Yeah, like that's the thing that's weird. The Leafs have usually been stingy on these types of contracts. Like they like knowing that they have not cap issues, but they have a top heavy cap structure, so they know that they have to kind of pinch these guys for a little more than. I don't think you have to remind Leaf fans forty million. <sighs> I know. I'm just saying. Um, that's why I didn't get what Dermot did to deserve this raise i see a lot of people are going to bring up the expansion draft but okay then give him a like a one year at one a one like even the extra year i don't know did his agent really hold the leafs to the fire and say hey you need a defenseman exposed this is the deal take it or leave it i don't know so my thinking that's is, what people are saying i don't i don't agree with that i think that's, he is and i think we're starting to see him more and more in the nhl and we're, i think we're going to get to a point years down the line where there's going to be a crackdown I think last year there was an under-the-table handshake. Hey. Yeah. You know what? I could see that, actually. That would make sense. It happened with it happened Kevin in San LeBanc. Jose with Kevin 100%. LeBanc. That 100%. That 100% happened in San Jose. There was rumors that that's what happened with Taylor Hall in Buffalo until everything just peeled apart at the seams, and it seemed like, okay, it was like, okay, we, uh, we, both, we don't want you here. You don't want to be here. Nobody wants to be here. Let's part ways kind of thing. But I think there's a couple other players out there for sure where it's under the table like hey you know wink wink nudge nudge we'll give you this one yep. but no i could see that i could see that that's that definitely happened in san jose if you go look up the the contract that lebanc signed the one year deal it was like 700k or, no, it, was it, was one almost, mil. it was one mil one year was, one he was mil. coming off a 55 point season yeah. it made and then no he put sense. up 35 worst year and then he got a five by five exactly five by five that by made no sense but that was the funniest thing ever my problem with Duran is i've talked about it a lot on this podcast like i hate how the leafs have developed their young players over the last three years i hate it like i, I can't stand it who's one impact player from the draft that's contributed to the toronto maple leafs post austin matthews um Pierre Even, well, he was drafted before. He was oh. 2014. Even if you look at the lower rounds from 2016, I can't even remember. I'd have to pull up. The answer is nobody. That's the problem. And that's a big problem with the team because those are value deals when you can get guys on entry-level deals coming into your lineup and, you know, playing well. Especially, again, when you've had to already pay a lot of players. So, this again, Dermot is going to keep Sandine from playing if he's on the roster. He did in the playoffs. So, that's another thing I'm concerned about. But, I, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if the logic 
regardless of the expansion draft, let's like forget about the expansion draft. I wonder if this is um, kind of the Leafs saying they want Dermot to play on the right side. Maybe this is their intent this year. I, I don't know if this is true, but this that this could be their intent of that he's going to be that the right the right side defenseman on that bottom pair. I and and uh, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I did he ever? I think he played only one game last year on the right side when Bogosian was, was out. Right? He played one or two, and he played awful. He didn't he didn't didn't look good. good. He didn't look good. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe Brody can help him out with that. I don't know. I really don't want him um, on the right side because truthfully, I want Timothy Lilgren on yeah, this team. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He earned it last year. I watched enough of him last year to see he developed. So his development path went his first year. Had some great flashes, showed some really good offense, played some power. I think he even played some power play, but moved the puck very well. That was my one thing that I saw. His stretch passes were awesome. Second year, dealt with a high ankle sprain. You know how those go. It was, a, it was not a good year. At one point, I had to go to the ECHL for a training stint. Numbers stayed the same. Playoffs showed a little bit more progression, so that was a good sign. But overall, not the greatest year in terms of a draft plus two. The year after that, which was last season, not this past season that went by, the one before, you saw Sandine was up more with the team. He got more responsibility, more power play, put up a lot of points, like looked better at both ends of the ice, in my opinion. It was a really big step. He came up to the Leafs even, got the call, played a lot of sheltered minutes there. It was whatever, showed some flashes. And then this season, I mean, we saw a tiny bit of him with the Leafs which I wasn't overly thrilled with. I would like to have seen a lot more. I thought he should have been thrown right into the fire there. I thought that with Bogosian, before the Bogosian signing, I was like, okay, put Timothy Lilgren, third pairing, right D. If it doesn't work out, trade deadline, get someone like Bogosian. They did the opposite, and it just didn't work out, to be honest. And Timothy Lilgren truthfully played well this year with the Marlies. I really think he's earned himself a third-pairing spot with the Leafs. If you do not want to give it to him at the beginning of next season, get him out of here. See ya. Get him out of here. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to see the the. I remember like if Leafs fans think back to how many times Lurgan was rumored in a trade rumor, and we were like, "Oh, let's keep him. Let's keep him." And we could have gotten like such a good player for Timothy Lurgan, and we're just at this point we're kind of hurting his value for not going to play him. And um. I, I, I always want to be positive with the Leafs and I always try to think about like I want to be idealistic think about it and like what they're doing is that they know what they're doing and like hope for the best and um I like like you said like if if this is their their course of action where they put him 60 and they create a log jam for a little I just don't I don't like it at all right because Dermot he's shown us what he can do and I'd rather Timothy Lutergan be in there making more mistakes than Dermot and and get a chance to develop then Lilgren's just play three years younger exactly than just play too. Travis Dermott who's now 25 years old and he's starting to get to that age where it's like if you're not going to show are you going to be like a consistent NHLer anymore and yeah but the thing I don't get is we used to criticize Mike Babcock for you know his coaching decisions Travis Dermott got a shot to play when he was young they gave Dur- they used to give young guys shots to play all the time they just seem to not want to do that anymore I don't know what's happened over the last two seasons I'll but- tell you what happened it seems like the coaching changed, and Dur- like Sheldon Keefe just wasn't a huge fan of Dermot playing more minutes. No, but I'm just even saying, like, how is Sandine not playing more? Like, yeah. How how has Lilligren not been given a shot? How is Nick Robertson not? Given so here's more the a thing. Shot? My only my only argument against that. Well, Robertson with the entry level deal, you save him. Okay, mm-hmm. you're, he's still on. You get the slide there. Okay, sure. 
Lilgren and Sandine, you don't play them the 11 games. They're saved from the entry draft. Okay, sure. Now, moving forward, you have no more excuses. No, that's yeah. Timothy Lilgren's at the end of his entry-level deal. I believe Rasmus Sandin is also at the end of his entry-level deal. It's, it's, there's a saying. It's in my head. It sounds really cool, but I, I can't say it. Damn it! This is that's a <laughs> no, but even but. even when we're projecting forward, okay, like we criticized Damian Cox for saying, "Oh, criticizing the Spets deal," and I, th- I think he was way out of line there. But a common thing we we're saying is, "Don't worry, there's going to be they're not just going to run it back. There's a lot of things to come." Since then, Simmons brought back Simmons, and you brought back Dermot. If you think if you're wait if you're a fan of Nick Robertson or Timothy Lilligren, those two contracts are not indicative of those guys being high up on the priority list for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2021-2022, in my opinion. Again, I could be wrong. The expansion draft is like a great equalizer in this. We don't know what's going to happen. But, man, I, I like I like Wayne Simmons. If he's playing over Nick Robertson next season, I'm going to be massively disappointed. Yeah, and, and just going back to what you said, I, I, I do think this is like now the end of the, the, the leash for Sheldon Keith, for us Leafs fans, if he continues to do this, I, I think I, Sheldon Keith. How about Kyle Dubas too? And Kyle Dubas. So I'm just talking about in in um, roster, like roster management, and like who you have in the lineup. Um, and and, and I, I get COVID, whatever. It was last two seasons were weird, and that's why I give them the pass now. But let's see it now. Let's see them start to play the young guys. Let's see, let's see Robertson come up. Let's see Sandin come up. Let's see Lilligan. Hopefully, Sandin plays every game. Let's see Lilligan play some. He's games. not going to. And, if they have Dermot on the roster, still he is not going but, to play every so game. What? We'll get into this part. Yeah. This so translates into the, the ex- whole. Yeah. Expansion. expansion. Thing. So a small thing with that that I just want to mention that I kind of like was thinking about before this. I wonder um, if post expansion, there's going to be like a lot of teams looking for depth defensemen uh, and, and maybe Travis Dermott could fill that role aware uh, of a team who's looking for like a depth defensive player who's locked up for two years and is a uh, an RFA when the contract expires. So you basically have him locked up guaranteed three years. On cheap, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe that that was a logic behind it. It's easier to maybe it's easier to move because he is signed. I don't know. That's that's my idealistic hoping scenario for Travis Dermott is that that that's our course of action with him and that he doesn't play another game in the least uniform. Unfortunately, here's the saying and get ready for the bleep machine. But for the entire Maple Leafs roster for this next season, it's or fly time. There it is. Plain and simple. Yeah. There's no it other is. way to put it. Like for Sheldon the coach, Keep is for now the going management. into his third year. Just. Uh, Kyle Dubas is like the mistakes of past are kind of behind you now. Like it's, it's time. And not only that, again, no impact players from the draft over the last four drafts. Now on top of that, no, no, who tell you, you're giving me a look. Tell me who in terms of guys that have actually played games. Yeah. Sandin. That's it. Like, and Nick there's some a bit promising in the guys last. in here that I'm yeah. looking at from the 2019 draft and the 2020 draft. However, from the 2008 draft, uh, 2018 draft, here's the it like, and here's the challenge with it. When you have the past GMs, like you, when you have the past GMs guys on your roster, like 2018, it was Kyle Dubas's first draft. However, that was all of the previous regime's scouts. They fired all those guys after the draft, right? So he had his guy Rasmus Sandin. That's the guy who went, okay, th- like this is my guy. I'm trading down and I'm taking him. Pretty much. Other than that, a lot of these seem like past regime picks. But that, that can't be an excuse if you are running the ship. I don't care who the scouts are. The scouts give him the information. He decides. It's true. 
That's true, but he also can't watch every single player that he's interested in. He has to somewhat rely on the scouts. For sure, for sure. So you still make it. All I'm saying is you got to hold the feet to the fire. Right. Sure. They're, I'm just I saying, mean, look at the types they, of players that were picked in 2018 versus the types of players that were picked in 2019, yeah, 2020. But also, what about 2016, where everyone was going nuts over? Oh, Kyle Dubas has found a market inefficiency drafting all of these overagers. How did yeah, those that, turn that, out? That, were those Dubas? That's what everyone said at the though? time. Again, we're talking. These are all rumors, but that's what was said at the time, right? Maybe. And then, and then everything else that's was. What I thought. Any was bad like, oh. draft was Mark Hunter, and any good one was Kyle Dubas. Definitely yeah. didn't go that way. Like that's people think on Twitter. It's definitely not that not cut sure. and dry. I'm just saying, guys. There's got to be something else coming in this lineup. There, like it has to be. I'm sorry, especially when you do this first round pick for Nick Foligno, not his fault. First, first round, two fourth. First round pick to clear Patrick Marlowe. Again, not his fault. Before that, second round pick for Thomas Pukanitz, not Dubas. Second, Lu- second round pick. That's what I said. Second round oh, pick. I thought you said first. Second round pick for Brian Boyle. So not on top of not being able to bring any young talent into your roster. You've coupled that with trading a lot of valuable picks for guys who basically, unfortunately had no impact, which is kind of why we're in this situation right now where I say, go look at the last four drafts and see what's come out of it for the Leafs. But you, 2017 I, draft is the most shocking. Well, there's Lilgren who has played 13 games. Now there's Rassanen who they did not sign. Who's atrocious, gone. Atrocious Ian pick. Scott, who had to deal with a, a hip injury, did not play for a year and a half. And then this year, finally got, like, what, one game in the AHL, four in the ECHL, I believe. Vladislav Kara, I can't speak to. I have no idea who that is. Fedor Gordiev, they did not sign. Ryan McGregor, they did not sign. And Ryan O'Connell, who, I mean, this is his third year at Ohio State, and he just put up six points, six assists, 27 games. I, I understand your point. Like that's but tough. That's a whole draft yeah. pretty much wasted. But that was also under Lou's hands. And Lou, historically, with the Devils especially, if you look at the Athletic put out, put out a really good article about drafting and developing players, the, the least amount of NHL players drafted from a team, can you guys guess the team? Over, I think it was 2006 to 2016, it was a 10-year span. The Devils. The Devils. It was the New Jersey Devils. So Lou Lamorell isn't the but the best drafter, but drafting. But gym. again, he and wasn't in charge of the drafts then, though. That's what everyone said. Some were Kyle. Okay, Dewey, but how, do we, but how do we know that's true? We don't know. But I'm just right? saying like, the it, overwhelming it, point is that uh, Brendan Shanahan's the top of the food chain yes. still, and Kyle Dubas was in the the management team, had a very big role in the management team, and they have not drafted any impact players that have played in the lineup over the last four years. Okay, that's it. It's that simple. We should revisit this in one to two years and see once Kyle Dewis has, has his hands on, on everything and full control, maybe things will go differently. Right now, it's looking pretty promising, honestly. So his full control guys... was a first for Nick Foligno. Does that give you overwhelming yeah. confidence? Oh, of course. But that's but, okay. That's that's different, though, because you're trade, you're, if, if the Leafs make it out of the first round, are we saying this? Yes, we're okay with it because uh, were you? Uh, I wasn't okay with it at the time, okay. but you know what? If you're gonna, if you're willing to make a move to make your roster better at the trade deadline, I respect that move. I respect okay. it. Okay, I, 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 we're all in, balls out. Exactly, and and they're going all in is is I I don't think you can hold that against him that he went all in. I'm just saying I, I'm wondering how much this group prioritizes bringing young talent into this team at this point. I'm sure they, they prioritize it a lot and we'll see that it doesn't in the future. Seem that okay. Way. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're, I'm right. And maybe you're wrong. We'll just have to see in the future, but I, it, we don't cause we could just look over the last four years. Up Again, until but now. That, I'm not going to go circular arguments with you, but this, that, that has loose fingerprints all over it. Uh, like, like, so how just, long does Kyle Dubas say, need really. to be out of lose fingerprints? Well, here's the thing. How long does it take to draft and develop a player? You can't expect a player one three years, four three years. years. Okay, so some if, of them one year. Some okay, of them two but that, years. that's that's assuming a top fifteen pick, or if you get uh, 
pick a but guy Jason, good where in, your in the draft. Argument also falls flat. Is okay if you're saying Timothy Lilgren 2017 that was a Mark Hunter draft. Timothy Lilgren was a good player. You, he got brought into Kyle Dubas's Toronto Marlies yep, to be the development exactly. And like now you're saying that he's not good enough to be on Kyle Dubas's Toronto Maple Leafs after four years after four he was drafted. Years, even though I I, I think he 100 percent should be 100 percent. And to speak more to Timothy Lilgren, not if he's not on the Leafs, like look at all these other top teams they had as mm. their sixth sheltered defenseman, an offensively gifted guy that can give you that little punch on the third pairing because you're playing him against Fart Brain and uh, Trevor Lewis and all these the guys that you know are barely in the league, right? And you, they can surprise you, maybe a little second power play there. Like I I don't know they're. Honestly, yes, I, I agree with you, Josh. At times, Kyle Dubas is not as perfect as some. Not some even people. close. Nobody is, unfortunately. Yeah, put him out to be on Twitter. I think we got way. But everyone makes time. mistakes. No, but that's a good discussion because I it think is. it's something that gets a little bit overlooked. A lot of a, a big edge in the league is the entry level deal. That's a huge edge. Timothy Lilgrens is burned now. No, after this year, he is. This will be the last year of this his entry level. Last year of his entry level deal. Even if he's good, you you've almost. Like, you like, have the leeway to, okay, you can play with the Marlies, but then, like, how, like then what do you have next year? What value does he have? That young pick slash prospect asset management has been by far the worst thing that Kyle Dulles has done over the last three years, in my opinion. Like, atrocious job. Atrocious. So, yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll see. I like the guys coming up, though. I really I really do so like, do I. I like Roni here. Like, the, the Roni and Amarov I love. Yep, Ronnie Irvinen was a great player. Scored some clutch goals in the World Juniors there. Topi Nimala, defenseman of the tournament there. Archer Aktimov, I mean, showed some good signs there. Great in the MHL. Showed a little bit in the KHL there. Dmitry of Chinnikov, I like. Some people that stay up till godly hours are swearing by him, but he's awesome. Vidi Mittenin, who the guy we were supposed to have on today, we screwed up. We're very sorry. Mostly Leafies is absolutely gung-ho about. And Mittenham went in the, the sixth round. Put up some pretty good numbers for St. Cloud State this year. Hell of a shot, too. He started off awesome. Joe, again, that's all great. We said the same thing about Rasmus Sandin two years ago. I can't wait to have him in the lineup. What type of impact has he made? How I, much opportunity has he been given? I can't wait to have him in the lineup. <laughs> well, also, by the way, it's also his last year of his entry-level deal. It's tough. They need to like in terms of cost effectiveness. Like, I feel hey, like Dermot back for one point five. Dermot's back, so like tough. But hey. we'll see. We'll see. To say it, something it all positive, does, like, there's Travis. Dur- like he is a decent player. I feel like we haven't full. And I'll get more into this in the expansion. Actually, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. My second topic that I had here: um, the Leafs apparently had showed interest in Tyler Bertuzzi. What do you guys think of that sort of player? What do you guys think of that? Like if, I, I if think the Leafs, if you th- hear tomorrow, Leafs trade for, or you get that tweet notification, we've traded for Tyler Bertuzzi. What are your thoughts? I would be elated if they trade and for Tyler w- Bertuzzi. What do you think they would have to trade for him to so get? So I think we had a disagreement on this. I don't the think Leafs. they're going to have to give yeah. like a first round pick. I could be wrong. I might be listening more to Red Wings fans too much. Yeah, because the, th- the problem with his, him is that they, I don't know if they think they can sign him. And I don't know if they think he wants to commit there right now. And they're saying, well, we're still in a rebuild. We're not ready to give a six, seven-year deal to you, even though you're really good. We'd rather flip you, 
turn the roster over, possibly get a similar player with more control. So I, I think... Like maybe a young left-handed defense. Correct. I think if you were Detroit, you instead of a first-round pick, because you, you're still in the rebuild, right? Maybe you don't want a full turnaround. I think they're at the end of the rebuild, they think. Okay, so the, they think that. That's, that even is better for my point. They're, they'll be looking for a guy who maybe was drafted two or three years ago for a former first or a highly touted prospect that's closer to the NHL than a first-round pick. That's what I think they'd be looking for. Do you think the Mantha trade speaks to that at I think all? I do. I do. I really do. Interesting. Interesting. That's I I in my opinion I th- I think it's like a good time kind of to lock him in there for for a long I would. a long period of time. You've signed you signed he's a restricted free agent at three and a half million dollars. He came off back surgery, which pretty pretty big for a guy that plays very physical like he does. Um he does have a role with the team. I mean, in ter- like not, I'm not saying like, oh, like he he has a spot on the roster. I'm saying like he has <laughs> a specialty. Role. Yes, correct. He has a specialty where it's like, hey, we want this. Like we got Tyler Bertuzzi. He's very, very good in front of the net. He, he scores those garbage goals like that you got to love. Like everything tips. Um, good at getting just positioning and getting knocking open pucks into the open net there. Um, on top of being a pretty pesky player out there. For sure. I mean, the- my thought is like, like, Big body, rough kind of guy, back-to-back 20-goal years. Started this year decently hot as well. Five goals, nine games, seven points. But, like, so that's where I'm, like, I think Detroit doesn't think he's a free, like, a, like two seconds. That got you Sam Bennett. Like, do you think it gets you? I agree. If I, if I was Detroit, I, I wouldn't give him up for that much. But then the question is, if they like him as much as we're making it out to be, he'd be signed, signed, sealed, delivered by now. If he was a true piece of their core, there's no way that there'd be rumors of him being traded, right? Yeah. But this could also just be like a Elliot Friedman was just saying, oh, the Leafs are interested. doesn't mean that they're... They kicked tires on him, apparently, at the trade deadline. He was not healthy, though. Um, I would have liked him over Nick <laughs> Yeah. But even just, I think you described the player pretty well. I think a lot of people think he's more like goon than good player. He's, a, he's, he's not more a good, good fighter. He's more no. He's <laughs> more good player. He's not a good fighter. He's more trust. He's a good player, like a legit yeah. good player. I think he's actually better than Zach Hyman. Wow. So he probably has better finishing ability than Zach Hyman. Um, he definitely know. has better but finishing. I, it's I, funny because he looks a little clunkier than Zach Hyman out there, but his finishing ability is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I, I, I'm a fan of it too, though. I think it's a. I think it'd be a great move for them. It's just all about like what's the price, right? Because the least yeah. don't. Like you said before, the Leafs don't have too many picks this year. They have like none. They they have have three picks this year. I think it's a third, fifth, and a seventh. No, a second. Oh, second, fifth, second, fifth, and a sixth. And they they have a first, second, and seventh next year. So the other thing to consider, though, would be would you rather pay, for example, let's say they said we want Nick Robertson for Tyler Bertuzzi, one for one. No. No. What about Timothy Lilligren? It, it it depends. It all it all depends. They wouldn't take that. I don't That's think. I think that would be it's like, tough for me to like remove the fan side. It would have to be Timothy Lilgren, maybe in a little bit, but like it's tough for me to remove the fan side of it. I've been cheering for this guy, yeah, ever since his draft year, where it's like I was elated that the Leafs were able to get him. We all were. Think, I didn't think there was any shot in hell that they were going to get him, but. That's where I don't know how much. I mean, Red Wings fans clearly probably wouldn't value Timothy Lilligren that that much. Right. So then right? the question becomes: If you have to give Timothy Lilligren plus, is it better to just maybe go out and sign an unrestricted free agent winger instead of trading for Tyler Bertuzzi? Yeah, yeah I think that's the other question, right? Yeah. I think I I really like the type of player that Tyler Bertuzzi is. I think 
he would if he was a free agent, he would be probably, if not one in the top two type of players that I would want to sign in this offseason. But just looking at like the amount of like middle six winger that are available, it's crazy. We'll get into that more in free agency, but like there's a lot of guys available. So the question becomes, would you rather pay for a Bertuzzi or would you rather maybe sign a Michael Granlin? Not saying you can't do both. But that's the question, for example. I I did see somewhere that I think Hyman... Oh, it was Friedman, I think. Hyman... Detroit has interest in Hyman. Interesting. I believe. See, that makes no sense to me. I think... I mean, when when you look at it, they signed Nemestikov last season. They improved their team last season, in the offseason. Thomas Grice, Vladislav Nemestikov, and um, I think they added someone else as well. Um, they obviously did then sell off Anthony Manta for a first and Verana. It was a good Fantastic trade. move for a team rebuilding like that. Um, but I, f- I feel like they're on the up and up, and they want to add in a piece or two that's actually good, that's going to finally, like, they don't want to get shit-canned and end up in last place. Yeah. When, and like, because they're going to start playing Valeno. You're going to see Valeno, I think, appearances more. Zadina. You're going to start to see Zadina more. Yeah. I think you're going to start to see a touch of more Cider next Cider, year yeah. as well. Yep. Like, you don't want to develop a losing culture. You want some guy, You want some wins under your belt. Yep, yeah, that's true. And that's, that's the big argument the AHL. You need to bring in, you need to pay in the AHL because you don't want your prospects losing 5 nothing every night in Cleveland, Ohio. Like, How close is Lucas Raymond, too, to playing? Um. Uh, that I can't tell. You. I didn't watch enough full games. But that's him, another but guy. Like they've they've got guys. You got to start start using them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I wonder if uh, obviously this is just Galaxy Brain, but the Flyers two years ago paid I think like uh, paid a fifth to get Kevin the rights to sign Kevin Hayes. I wonder if the uh, Flyers ooh. paid out the butthole to get JVR and Kevin Hayes. Yeah, and I wonder you if think if Detroit, I could see that. I wonder if Detroit, if like that could be a part of a, a, a part a piece in the deal for Tyler Batuzzi to get. Like to oh, like Zach Hyman, the, 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 right, the rights to Zach Hyman or a sign and trade. Would, not not exactly saying one be, for one, obviously. Zach Hyman right now to me, the rights to Zach Hyman is worth a, a fifth. Yeah. Well, but, if you yeah, agreed. But that, so. but hey, for a team that has six draft picks over the next two years, that's that's worth something. Yeah. Well, the Leafs should definitely try to. If someone wants to buy his rights, it's pretty clear he's not coming back. Yeah, so so I would send him away. Uh, yeah. Because I I really do think, believe it or not. Teams love giving these eight years right now, and maybe if it lowers Zach Hyman's AAV, as crazy as it sounds to give a guy that age with the type of way he plays eight years. With the type t- of injuries he's got. A to- team like Edmonton, for example, who suddenly has significantly less cap space, may be more interested in getting that. Again, like you said with the Nuge, eight years doesn't matter when you only got four of McDavid left, possibly. Yeah. So you want to lower that AAV in the short term. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um terms of other interest, I'll get that. I think we're going to summarize. Dave Pagnotta had a lot of the Leafs linked to um, everyone yeah. short of Jesus Christ himself. Um, so I'll get into that just in a rat race real quick. I think I hope I can pull it up quick. But um, Secondly, Leafs hired D- Dean Chinoweth. I mean, uh, ran from what I heard, ran uh, Carolina's penalty kill last year, probably going to come in and do the same thing. Take over for Hackstall, I'm guessing. Yep. This year, it's an assistant coach. I'm not overanalyzing it. That's that's all I got. Um, yeah. They had good special teams when he was there. Yeah. So, so the Leafs need better special teams. I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty concise way to it's, put it. It's hard to really like analyze the whole assistant coach thing because yeah. even 
Like, even if you break it down to, like, this guy's got the power play, this guy's got the penalty kill, it's still the head coach is deciding yeah. what happens on those two units. Like, that, like if you have Alex Chase on, on your power play, like, you're going to have issues. Right. I actually don't know if Edmonton had issues. I'm just – that's, the, no, worst, I, that's yeah. the worst player that I could think of that played power play. Right. Or Joe Thornton, sorry. Damn it. Um, anyways, want to get into a little around the league. Touch on real quick. Duncan Keith trade. Duncan Keith. Um, Jason, do you have uh, Edmonton's tweet up in front of you? I can find it right now. Hold on. I've got it right here. So the Edmonton Oilers dropped a bomb on us today. Trade. It's been in the works for weeks. So this is not an overly surprise. However, the hashtag Oilers have acquired defenseman Duncan Keith and forward Tim Soderlin from Chicago in exchange for defenseman Caleb Jones and a conditional pick. A conditional draft pick in 2022, hashtag let's go Oilers. They were so embarrassed by it, they did not even say what pick, what round the condition is. When you think conditional pick, just it's a conditional pick. Okay, it's going to turn into a round of golf in 2022. No, this is a conditional third round pick. That could become a second. That could become a second. Like <laughs> they tried to make it seem like a conditional seventh if uh, if uh, he doesn't if play. Lightning yeah. strikes D- Duncan Keith <laughs> twice, then it'll turn into a, from a seventh to a sixth. <laughs> like I, when you pointed that one out, I thought that, that was hilarious. Yeah, so I, I didn't include the conditional. <laughs> like I don't know. I haven't watched enough Duncan Keith, so I'm not gonna go too too much into him. But from all accounts I've heard, he's cooked. He can't play defense. Sure, you're going to give him less minutes in in Edmonton, but I mean, is that going to bring his legs back? So if if you're an if you know of any Edmonton fans, go give him a hug. Make sure they're doing okay because I I am not a fan of this at all. Um, I understand the what they're trying to go for here is maybe like is this like I don't know is this a uh, a way to replace your offensive defenseman who quarterbacked your power play? Is that is that the plan for Keith? I, I'm curious to see what the plan is. He's, I think, 36, or is he? How old is he? I think he's 38, actually. 37. He's 30. He's 37, turning 38. Uh, he's making five million over the next two years. It's all. It's a lot of money for someone who you expect to play in your bottom six, and it's just a lot, honestly. And yeah, that's the first thoughts for me. You, it's just there's a lot of Edmonton like reporters that are just specifically talking about Edmonton. The rumor is that he's going to probably, if they bring back Adam Larson, which they're assuming they will be, that'll be their second pairing, which I don't know. Does that excite Oilers fans? So it's funny because like all the old heads that you think be like Duncan Keith, this is an awesome play. They're, they're like, oof. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I see, I fall just out of coincidence, some Chicago related people on Twitter and I'm not, by no means are they like, analytics based really like die hard stats hockey people but essentially what they said is like we love Duncan Keith he brought us three cups he was his number two is going to the rafters but how in the blue hell did we trade this guy without not only without retaining any cap but we got something back for him too and they they, they're shocked that I don't know if they have the most trust in Stan Bowman right now so I think a lot of them had to, you know, give them a little pat on the back they weren't expecting because, wow, how did we trade this contract without retaining anything and get assets back? It's like, 
It's insane. It's not. It doesn't look good for Ken Holland either. It's also crazy because Mark Spector, who is an Edmonton Oilers beat reporter, said that the starting for the starting point of the trade was a I said a twenty. I assume a twenty twenty one fourth round pick. It could be a twenty twenty three. I doubt that he didn't specify the year. It was a a fourth round pick. Caleb Jones and Miko Koskinen. So I don't understand how Ken Holland said, "Okay, I want." Uh, Miko, I want, I want, I, I'll give you the fourth round pick, but I have to throw in Miko Koskinen. Stan Bowman hits him back with, "No, I'll just give, I'll just give me the third, and that's it." And then I guess they just came to a deal. I, I don't understand how that. How did you negotiate that? That's not a negotiation. You're just shooting yourself in the foot in the face at that well, point. Well, honestly, the reason is Miko Koskinen is like equally albatross of a contract in the next year as Duncan Keith. So, so Stan Bowman said, no, I'm not of course, any money Of course, but funny I, I, thing about Miko Koskinen, I went to go pull up some clips of Leon Dreisaitl not playing defense, and um, I couldn't take my eyes off of how bad some of the goals were from Miko Koskinen. I couldn't yeah. believe it. That guy stunk this year. Yeah. And funniest trade, I've, uh, funniest tweet, one of the funnier tweets I saw from today is from Adnak Oil. I'm, I can't even find it, but it's stuck in my head so vividly. It was at this rate. I'm just gonna drive to Connor. I'm gonna drive Connor McDavid to Toronto by myself. <laughs> <laughs> good man. <laughs> and you know what? Hopefully Keith's good for them because I I I would love to see Connor McDavid make at least like a conference final. Of course, year. of course. And uh, honestly, this is gonna sound crazy, but if Duncan Keith scores 40 points next year, I'm honestly. It's a big number, but I wouldn't be too surprised, especially if he's playing on the power play. But I don't think he's going to play on the power play. Yeah, if he I don't does, think they're bringing I, back Tyson Berry. So I, that's, I would put so is anyone is Clefbaum still under Darnell contract? Nurse? Maybe like, I don't know, but I, I was just going to say, even still, if he gets a significant amount of points, I don't think this is a this could be a win. There's no, there's no way unless Duncan Keith can go into a time machine and and turn himself into the 30, 30 year old, twenty six year old defense that he was when he was winning the cup. There's no way that they're but you, even you then, the even trade. like he's been declining for a long time now. Oh yeah, yeah. that hasn't been a secret either. Like, of course, it's it's been a while. It's been at least four ish years that it's like okay, Duncan Keith is noticeably worse. Him and Seabrook at the same time, it was like they played so many. I don't know how many playoff games they've played. I bet you if you calculate, it's close to an extra two seasons worth Probably. of playoff games. Yeah. And, and that so, will wear down on of you. Of course, but some GMs also value that, right? Like some, like that's I think that's the main reason why they acquired him is because. Veteran experience in the locker room. Some GMs think that goes a long way, but yeah, maybe other, for seven hundred fifty k. Yeah, for five and a half million. It's, it's like, yeah, I don't agree with it. You could also just read a book about how some some teams have gone to the finals or hire some good assistant coaches who have gone that that way as well, and not spend five and a half million dollars over the next two yeah. years on a defenseman. And I just want to bring up a small thing. There was a few rumors that. Um, they like this was before the Keith trade, and I wonder if this changes things. But there were the con- consensus rumors around how Edmonton will handle their cap situation going forward is that they're going to buy out Neil and buy out Koskinen. If they do that, that only creates six point three million dollars of cap space this year, and then you're going to have to pay it out over the next couple of years, where you're you're losing. I think it was three million in in the second year, and then the last two years you're losing one point nine, basically two million dollars, all to get Duncan Keith plus a player for one point three mil. If that's if that's the course of action Ken Holland takes, I don't know. I don't think he should make it to the end of the offseason. I would I would want him out if I was an Oilers fan because you're not really you're you're replacing one bad contract with another bad contract plus you're buying out the bad contract and it's going to be on your books for another four years. It's 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 a lot to do. It's it's interesting how they're going to handle that. So. In summary, it's a tough, tough look. Tough, it's a look. tough scene. Um, next one, another Canadian team. 
in case you're wondering why the cup hasn't come back to Canada in a little while, um, Pierre Maguire is now the VP of player, senior VP of player development for the Ottawa Senators. So ESPN didn't want him. So the Ottawa Senators said they were licking their. What's that meme where it's the guy behind the tree licking his lips and rubbing his hands? <laughs> That's what that was. The Ottawa Senators should tweet that one. But um, yeah, I don't. Not, I don't have much to say on this. He he said a lot of negative things about analytics, but then backtracked that today and was like, "Oh no, analytics are a useful tool." But it's like I don't know. I, I think Jay Fresh, who I, I I suggest everyone go follow, put it really really well. Is that uh, Pierre Maguire doesn't not believe in analytics. He just believes that there are some things that analytics don't uh, quantify. quantify that scouting does. And he's definitely right in some aspects. But also he said that Zach Aston Reese is the type of player that analytics can't tell you how good he is. But uh, he yes, actually, he's the, <laughs> he's the poster boy for some analytics people. And then, like, he said, <laughs> and then he said, pull me up the analytics of Tampa Bay's third line. Okay, sure. <laughs> yes. They're, they're very good. Yeah. But, so. like, I don't know. He praised Tyler Clevin, who I don't think was picked in the second round this year. I don't think he was very good this year, though. Um, and I don't even think was a regular on the blue line for uh, um, the USA World Juniors. But seven points in 22 games, you drafted this guy 44th overall at North Dakota. The, the other thing is, like, pretend he was never even a broadcaster, okay? Like, we know he was a broadcaster. I liked him as a time. broadcaster. So did I. He was so passionate I didn't, about Exactly. Hockey. But the problem is, like, when he was worked in hockey previously as, first of all, as a head coach of the Hartford Whalers, there's, like, look it up. He was not good. No. Players basically had no respect for him unfortunately and it was like kind of like a, a shit show basically yeah. and he was also the assistant general manager that obviously he lasted one year doing that and it was an absolute disaster so like you're not really bringing in anyone with any actual Pat experience he has he has limited scouting experience which is good but i also i'm a little skeptical on how big his actual role in the yeah. organization is like i i wouldn't say he's like a top three to five voice in that organization no, probably not. But like, it's interesting when you look at all, all of Ottawa's picks. Like, where are they either going to school? Yeah, where are they all committed to? A significant amount of them are were committed to North Dakota. North Dakota, right? Yeah. So they just have like a I don't know, like they're just paying the North Dakota scouts. Like, hey, it, like, honestly though, it's, <laughs> it's working for them. Ozzie Newsome from the Baltimore Ravens was notorious for picking Alabama players and. Not saying North Dakota is the Alabama of college hockey, but they're pretty close. So I don't know if that's necessarily a bad strategy, but I agree. Like, I know what you're saying. It's like, how much thought process are they even doing ahead of time? Like already, are they to trade up for Tyler Clevin, who had two assists in 17 games in his draft year? I just think it's tough because a lot of these teams are looking for like, especially at this time in the offseason, like let's get excited. And I don't think Ottawa senators are that excited about Pierre Maguire. Well, they so. tweeted at 7 a.m. Hope yeah. <laughs> it would just go through the timeline. But on, honestly, uh, at the end of the day, he is very passionate about hockey. So that is one positive that cannot be taken away. All right. Let's get into the, the nitty gritty of this episode. Now, the Leafs expansion draft. Ooh. Um, first off, so we were supposed to have mostly Leafies on. Great Twitter follow if, you ha- if you're not. Um, we couldn't. The time didn't work out. We'll have them on later. Um, but I did want to read out 
their comments that they sent over to me. Yeah. Uh, it's just mostly Leafies, L-E-A-F-I-E-S. Uh, just want get, to oh. get the spelling out there. there just give them credit. Yeah. Sorry. Just Obviously. Uh, but so I can give you my talk. Mm-hmm. If the Leafs can't make a trade, I probably protect Dermot and expose Kerfoot and Hole. Expecting to lose Kerfoot, but I think the Leafs should be looking to add forwards so they can go 7-3-1 and one and let Seattle pick between Hole and Dermot. Anyways, looking forward to when the pot comes out. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in terms of ent- like the rules, it's either you have to protect four, four, and one, uh, four forwards, four defensemen, one goalie, or you get to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. You have to expose two forwards, one defenseman, one goalie. Those are the rules. In terms of what these players that you're exposing must have. They must be under contract for forwards, under contract for the next season, 21-22, played in 27 or more NHL games last season, or played in 54 or more NHL games in the last two seasons. Defensemen under contract in 21-22 and played in 27 or more NHL games this season or 54 or more in the last two seasons. Goalies under contract 21-22 or whose contract is expiring and is an RFA at the end of 2020-2021. Those are the rules, just to throw that out there. You're exempt if you uh, use the waivers professional. Uh, 11 NHL games are required for a player aged 18 and 19, one professional game in any pro league while signed to an NHL contract for any players aged 20 or older. So in other words, Sandine and Lilgren, who played NHL games, and Robertson are all exempt. From the NHL. So is Ilya Mikhaev as well. And so is Ilya Mikhaev, interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Because he, why, what does he fall under? I don't even know. He, he's only played two years. I don't know the exact rule of it, though. But he is exempt. He's exempt. He is exempt. He's, he's yeah. exempt. I think it's enough. two years or less. Yeah. So mostly Leafies gave their opinion, which is, I think, I think when this all started, I think the consensus was the Leafs are going to go 4-4-1, four, four, and one, and they're going to protect, obviously, the big four forwards, they're going to protect Muzzin, Riley, Brody, and Hole, and Jack Campbell. I think some thought process has changed, especially since they signed Dermot. I think if they had signed Dermot to a deal that was something like 800K again in one year, oh, yeah, you're just signing him to expose him to the expansion draft. But when you give him term, I know it's only two years. That's still term, though. When you give him two years at 1.5, now people are thinking, wait, maybe the Leafs you know, aren't as – infatuated with Justin Hall, for example, as people previously thought. Maybe Dermot makes Hall expendable. So then the other school of thought is, as mostly Leafy said, you go 7-3-1, and one, which would involve, on top of the four forwards, protecting Alex Kerfoot, protecting Pierre Engvall, and then protecting probably one of Simmons and Spezza. Actually, it has to be one of Simmons and Spezza because there's nobody else signed. And then you'd expose one of those two. And then another forward that you'd have to sign. Because, again, you have to expose two forwards, which would then leave Hall and Dermott to the expansion for Seattle to choose from. I would not do that. I think I would keep it simple. I would do four forwards and 4D, and here's why. I think before the playoffs, if you told Leaf fans that Alex Kerfoot was being picked in the expansion draft and now you had $3.5 of cap space in this free agent market, I think a lot of them would be absolutely fine with that. I think some of our judgment is clouded a bit by seven playoff games, which I don't think it should be. If you look at the complete analytical picture of Alex Kerfoot's game, he's a pretty good center. He's not a great center. I don't even think he's a top six center necessarily. He's probably best slotted as a third line center. And I think a lot of these fans may have 
higher hopes for that position than Alex Kerfoot. Again, I don't mind Alex Kerfoot. I don't think his contract's bad. I just think, all things considered, I would prefer Justin Hole on the team at $2 million compared to what you'd have to replace him with in free agency, which, go look, it's not, you're not going to get somebody that caliber for $2 million in free agency versus Alex Kerfoot at 3.5. You can get that, I think, in free agency. Whether would, that's, you, would you rather Kerfoot at 3.5 or lose him to Seattle and sign Felino for 2 for a heavy well, discount? No. No, I'd rather have Kerfoot. Wow. Nick Foligno's not good anymore, guys. Like, it's not that complicated. But if you're telling me instead I can have Granlin for four, for example, or Kerfoot for three and a half, which one are you taking there? Well, how many years is How about Nick Bonino for two and a half or Kerfoot for three and a half? Uh, oh, Nick Bonino. Nick Bonino for sure. Right. And it might not even come down to that because they may like Pierre Engvall. I would have no issue with them taking Pierre Engvall. I've made my thoughts on him very astute on this podcast i'm not the biggest fan and i would have no problem if they took travis dermott i know that's become like a crazy thing to say now again i know the defensive metrics for dermott are good but they don't even trust them to play any sort of significant defensive based minutes so and what's going to change over the summer nothing what changed in the playoffs nothing you got scratched in the playoffs for that so matter. that's my crazy. opinion i i'd love to hear the other side because i find it a little difficult to rationalize the other side to be honest, because like, so you're like just bare bones. You're going to leave Hall and Dermott unprotected, but you're going to protect Pierre Engvall and Wayne Simmons, for example. Is that the best course of action? I don't know. It, again, it seems like the player everyone's worried for is Alex Kerfoot. Is that true? Is that fair? No, I think a lot of people are looking at from what popular opinion. Well, based on Instagram, what we, we asked the question, who, who do you think Seattle's going to take? I've seen a couple Alex Kerfoots come through. I don't think I've seen any defensemen. Based on Twitter opinion, I've seen a lot of Dermot or Hole. Either way, my summary of everything here, to summarize like every sort of point. Number one, the Leafs are losing a roster player. A roster player that played for them in the playoffs. We're, like, we're not losing mm -hmm. a Brendan Leipzig, RIP. Um, to his career, yeah. Yeah, RIP to his career. He's not coming back anytime soon. But so that's that's number one. Number two, you made a very good point. You you decide to move on from Alex Kerfoot if you believe there's something out there better. You have a better option lined up for three and a half million uh, around the the three and a half million dollar cap hit. In terms of you asked the question, it was a very good question. Before the playoffs, would you have said the same thing? Do you think you would just wanted Alex Kerfoot to send him one way ticket to Seattle? Yes and no. He's to me, this season, he was wildly inconsistent. There were some games he looked great at center. Shut down, put up, put, potted in a couple goals here and there, whatever. And then on the, the wing with Tavares, a couple games here and there looked awesome. However, with Alex Kerfoot's game, it's easily, it's, he can easily get lost. Because what is he really? Is he a defensive specialist? I don't think so. Is he the greatest skater? Very, very choppy, not that fast. Is he a grit grinder kind of player? No, he's 5'10", probably doesn't weigh more than me. So that's where, and his finishing ability is awful. I am very critical of it. His finishing ability like, is not very good. Somehow he scored 20 goals in the NHL, twice. But his finishing ability, I mean, even he doesn't think it's very good, I don't think, based off the number of two-on-ones that he passes to Ilya Mikheyev, right? 
That's my Alex Kerfoot rant. In terms of Justin Hole, you seem to really like Justin Hole. Really, really like. What, what parts of his game specifically? Well, go ahead, Jason. I, I like his gap control uh, in the defensive zone on players coming in and when he is actually in the zone, when players are along the boards. I think he does really well with his stick and his body to, to displace people <laughs> from displace the puck and get the puck. He's not the most physical. He's not the most physical, but he does well Mm -hmm. getting the puck, retrieving it. And also, he's very sneaky good at uh, breaking out. He makes smart passes. He he usually makes the correct pass. Uh, I'm not totally with you on that one, but go ahead. That's just what I see, and that's that's what I think is underappreciated about Mm -hmm. his game, specifically eye test-wise. I have some other things I'd, I'd like to go into later on a soapbox, but Josh, go ahead. No, his contract is also has to be one yes. of the first yeah. things. He's of course. A, he's a trusted top four yes. defenseman on the Leafs that mm-hmm. makes $2 million. Yeah. yeah. That is not being replaced for $2 million. Yeah. Sorry. I agree. Travis Dermott is not the replacement for that either. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And That's just being I realistic. Agree. Yeah. So to bring in, to go back to what I was saying, um, to me, he was a protected guy before all of this. I thought he was solid this year. Now, not so much. I know he played tough, tough minutes with Jake Muzzin. Like, some very good competition he was playing against. When you look at it, I looked it up. He was playing against the highest people uh, of his opponents that are forwards that he was playing against. It was Mark Scheifele. It was Connor McDavid. It was Leon Dreisaitl. Those are three very, very good offensive players. It's v- extremely tough to put up good defensive numbers against that quality of competition. However, when you look at his widths and withouts, for with J- with and without Jake Muzzin, it's cratered. It's not he again. The Leafs stuck to their pairings this year, so it's kind of it's a smallish sort of sample size. But it sucks. I mean, was he the best offensive? I don't love his first pass. I don't truly believe that he's a bona fide top four defenseman. I love the contract. Obviously, I think he could a hundred thousand percent work in a third pairing kind of role. But we need a second pairing for a uh, right-handed defenseman. Like that, uh, that brings up another conundrum. Where are you going to find one of those things? They're not out there. To transition then into Travis Dermott. What the hell is Travis Dermott? A defensive third pairing? Those words should not exist together. You know who Travis Dermott put up good defensive numbers against? Mason Appleton was one of them. I could, the rest of them, I don't, I don't even know. That, like, it's not good. He played against nobodies. So you're putting up, okay, you're going to value putting up good defensive numbers against that kind of competition? No, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'd like to, I would have liked him to excel a little bit more in such a limited role. But I don't know. I think a little bit of why people value Dermot over Hall on Twitter, wherever you're reading this stuff on the whatever for the expansion draft is like people tend to lean towards the shiny new toy and what it could, could potentially become instead of what they actually have. People prefer the potential of getting more than getting what they currently have right now. And if you are someone who believes that Dermot should be kept over Hall, I want you to. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer here, but I want you to think to yourself at Travis Dermott is signed for two years. Okay. Do you think Travis Dermott could become what Justin Hall is over the next two years? If the answer is no, I don't think we should be protecting Dermott because we have a player. If you think Dermott can become better than Hall, 
we already have Hall. And if he's not going to do it over the next two years, when will he do How it? How about over the next two months? Yeah. Like, it's not even two years. It's now. Yeah, it has. It, that's what I'm trying to say. It has to be now. Jason, we are, it's, the boat is a boat, but the mystery box could be anything. <laughs> exactly. It could even be a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, it, it's almost like we, we... Oh, like, Travis Zimmer, he could be a top four defenseman. We, we, we also just said that four years ago. Exactly, right? So, I, I you really got to think critically about... Think hard about this one. And if... If you're banking on the upside, you got to know that you're you're losing a guy who has the upside, who 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 developed into what we want Travis Dermott to develop into. He is what we want Dermott to be, and our cup window isn't getting larger; it's shrinking. So if you if you want to wait for Travis Dermott, does that mean like mm-hmm. gi- giving up these good years of our when our players are arguably in their prime, 24, yeah. 25, 26 years old, right? So that's that's my little bit about Dermot. Yeah. Over Hall, I, I I love what you said about I have I have a longer list and it, yeah. it's it's really crazy the the, the to hear Hall's it's an most common opposition. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Like, do you believe that Justin Hall is truly the pairing for Jake Muzzin, or like do you believe that Jake Muzzin carried Justin Hall this year, or do you believe that Travis Dermot is going to be what we've always thought he's going to be? Yeah. And it's it's there's no right or wrong answers to any of this. But on top of this, what I did really like, I looked at took a look at Jake Muzzin's numbers with with TJ Brody, that's a true shutdown pairing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think somehow you got to rejig things. If you want a shutdown pairing in the in the playoffs, similar to what we saw from Tampa Bay, who is it? Eric Cernak and Ryan McDonough was the pairing if I'm not correct. Yeah. If you want that pairing replicated, it's TJ Brody and it's Jake Muzzin. But then what does your second pairing, does Riley work with Justin Hole? I have no clue. And it's tough to evaluate that because the Leafs were so rigid with their defensive pairings that we saw very, very little adjustments in that. Because it worked. They finished first yeah. in the North Division. So here, here's, sorry to interrupt. Here's my thing to make it even simpler. The D worked this year. Yeah. The defense core of the Leafs was the best it's been in I don't know how long. 15 years maybe? Yeah. So why are we rejigging with that? Why? Especially, yeah, the top four in particular. And even if, let's say, you want to get better than Hall, let's do it still. Bring it, 100%. But but then why are you getting rid of that player? I I don't understand, but I I genuinely do not believe the Leafs are losing Justin Hall to Seattle. I I think the percentage chance of that in my head is less than 1%. So we'll see. It's a weird situation. In my opinion, what I also wrote down, if Justin Hall was a free agent this year and teams were looking at it, that's a... Scary kind of contract to give a guy long term and money because he played with such a good defensive pairing mm-hmm. the whole year, right? I think he'd get paid a lot of money. He could, yeah, exactly. But it's was he carried by it was the question that a lot of people actually had with Brody. I confirmed, I said, no, it's not true. But was Brody carried by Giordano? Clearly not. But it's a question you got to ask because he played so many minutes with him and the withouts weren't that great. So How many minutes did he play without him? Um, with I'm trying to find Jake it. Muzzin. Yeah, it was like he played like all of them with and very few without. So then, how much credence <laughs> are we even putting on those without minutes if it's a, such a small it's sample? A small size? sample, no, of course. Size. I it's don't a, know. It's a tiny sample size, and I also think that like pairings are like like chemistry is also, important in pairings. Like like those. Sorry, yeah. Did he play with Muzzin exclusively the year before as well? Like, why don't we go look at his numbers the year I, before? I remember him played. He played with Riley for a bit. I'm curious. Him. Honestly, there was a stretch where Muzzin was injured for. A couple games, right? And right I mean, before the no, it was a few games oh, before was, the playoffs, oh, okay. and then we had a long, yeah. yeah, it was not much. But 
the year before he was he was okay. Oh, in the playoffs, he was up and down. I don't know. My, his puck movement in game one, I remember, wasn't great. I don't know. He was okay, I guess, in the playoffs. Not really. The, the, I, I don't I, know how to put it. I do remember him playing with Morgan Riley and not liking how they worked together. But, again, like that's yeah. – like. It's tough. We haven't really seen. We've only oh. seen one defenseman work with Morgan Riley so far. He's not the most generous of partners to play with. Um, no, not at all. Uh, I've got those numbers right here for you, Josh. Five on five, regular season time with Jake Muzzin, seven hundred and seventy-five minutes. Time without Jake Muzzin, one hundred and forty-six. The next highest defenseman that he played with was Morgan Riley, seventy-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh my so god! That, and that, was that only this year, or was that? Sorry, yeah, seventy seven seventy five with one hundred and forty six without. That's this year regular season, and half of those one hundred and forty six was played with Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. and then, Ra- Morgan Riley, and then Travis Dermott. So, moving on from the Hall thing, what would you guys do then? It's a tough decision. I mean, I guess stick with. It's 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 tough. I don't. I mean. Choosing between these your children that you've seen come up, um, honestly, I'm all, this is it, it. The issue is what I've I've gone through the progression of like before I came in here I had an answer, but like even a couple months before that it was a different answer. A couple months before that it was a different answer, right? So honestly, I have to give an answer. This is the media. This is what we do. I'd have to say Travis Dermott because I don't think you're going to find unless you're going after Dougie Hamilton secretly. Wait, say that again. No, no. So Dermott, you would be. Exposed. So I'd go seven. Oh, okay. I'd go. Oh, yeah. I guess, sorry. I would go. I guess I'd have to go four, four. So it'd be four, four and one. I'd be. So it'd be. Sorry, Alex Kerfoot. But that's not necessarily. Seven, three and one. Th- they might not. They might like Dermott more. That's what people say, too. I don't know. I'm just saying in terms of let's just talk about strictly the, the Leafs. What would you do? In terms of protection, if I was, yeah, in terms of protection, I guess four, four, and one. I mean, like, I think you can find a better replacement. I think in terms of value, I don't, like, that's not to say, I don't think Alex Kerfoot is the worst of these three players. Alex Kerfoot does have some value. However, I think you can replace Alex Kerfoot at third line center. Like, I think you can do more with that cap hit number than you can with the defense right now because the defense are kind of cost controlled. It's unfortunate because then when you bring back Dermot and hole, like it falls into place the same as what it was last year. Almost like maybe you play Dermot on the right side and you do want to bring Lilgren up as I've said a thousand times already, but I think they go four, four and one and it's, it's Kerfoot that gets picked. I, I agree with you. And I, I'm just going to go back to what Josh, you were talking about. I think like five or five to 10 minutes ago, but why people were so like before the playoffs, we were so gung ho on uh, exposing and getting rid of Kerfa. And I think a lot of people have like, I think the playoffs did expose the, the one issue with our lineup is that we do lack center depth. And I think people are afraid of another freak. I uh, just afraid of the thought of having to go through that again of like, cause if we do lose Alex Kerfoot, our next best wing, our next best center is Pierre Engvall. Of course you can address that in free agency, but you, the wound is fresh is all, is all I'm trying to say. Right. I don't know if they lack depth. They lack finishing ability at center. That's yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah. Alex Kerfoot's not good at finishing. Yeah. That's I've, I've hated it so much 
for two years now because it seems like he can't shoot the puck worth a shit. Mm-hmm. And Carey Price can tell you all about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he was he was good in the playoffs. Yeah, I, he was I, great. And I'm not saying he, he wasn't good. I'm just saying, like, if you go down our list, okay, like, let's say, uh, like, knock on wood, like, freak yeah. injury, right? The like, rest of the set, there's Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and then a bunch of guys that if they were still playing, as Jamie McLennan said, if they're still playing on the ice in that game right now, they would still have trouble scoring. Yeah. Even though the lights are off and nobody's playing. Yeah. No, that's, the, so that's, that's part of the reason why I think people are so hesitant to get rid of Kerfoot, but I, fu- I believe 4-4-1 four, four, and one is the only way to go about this. Protect the big four and protect Justin Hall. That's it. I, I think this is the best way to go about it. I'm not... No one no one is right on this. There's going to be a, a bunch of dissenting opinions, but we've gone through it, guys. Justin Hall, it, I, I believe, is extremely valuable and something that you cannot replace. Yeah. A top four defenseman who can log minutes against the best players in the league. How many players like that exist? There isn't. There, yeah. There's guys in the league that people won't even touch with a 10-foot pole because they play against the best players in the league. Duncan Keith, Seth Jones. The people on Twitter will not touch those guys. Yeah. And Justin Hole had better numbers than those guys. Yes. So think, just think about that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Think about the opposition he's playing against, what it's done to other players who are so highly regarded. Right? Yeah, that's what I don't Who are like his three most of- common players he played against this year justin hall i said shifley shifley mcdavid and dry i'm gonna go even further down their list kyle connor matthew to chuck elias lindholm poliarvi it's the first line of every team first line of every team first line of every wheeler besser monahan he plays tough minutes you know what says a lot to jake muzzin who put up also better numbers yeah and played against those guys that guy's a monster and so quickly i'm gonna go for something here and i'm gonna make a little bit of a prediction hopefully I okay. The, my thought process is now that uh, Hackstall is with uh, Seattle. Seattle, like obviously he has he he knows the least organization the best. Philadelphia Flyers the second best. He's seen all these players work with them firsthand. I wonder if Seattle tries to get both, like two players, Kerfoot and and uh, uh, Dermot, maybe swapping pieces back and forth, something along the lines of that. Because I think a team like if if we do protect Hall and we what do pieces there's no team right oh, now. Oh, I know, but like they could be a co- they're 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 getting good players. They're getting some good players and I I wonder if I I wonder what 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 would will happen cuz I I do think that Toronto might make like if Dermot is on the trade block and is like if you told me if Kyle Dewis came out and said, "Hey, Dermot's not playing with the, with the team next year, he's going to be moved." One of the top teams on that list would be Seattle in my Why? Place. Just with the familiarity Apparently of Dermot. Just because so, of Dave Hackstall, you yeah. think they'd take Travis I also Travis have Dermot? a report from Kevin Allen on the DFO Rundown podcast. It says, Steve Eiserman is looking for younger players who could be vulnerable in the expansion draft or for cap reasons, says he's poking around at like a Dermot in Toronto. And if that happens, I wonder, we talked about but this. That's not Seattle. That's I, Detroit. I, I, just, I know. I'm just yeah, t- yeah. trying to have a conversation. And if, if that happens, I wonder if there's some sort of deal where there's almost two deals in place where we give them Dermot and then somehow on the way back we get uh, another player who we wouldn't be able to protect, but we would be able to get them after the expansion draft because... Uh, I don't think... I, I don't... I don't know if that's certain players go to Seattle. I don't know Definitely how not from the works. Leafs. There's a lot of better teams who are exposing a lot of better players, so why yeah. would it be from the Leafs? I'm not, I'm not saying Dermot? that they're going to make a deal so that they don't pick X player or Y player. I'm just saying that a, a, a team that could be interested in Dermot is Seattle. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just also looking at the defenseman. You're a brand new team. You're rolling the dice. I mean, why not this guy that has been, hasn't like has had promise, but hasn't quite lived up to it? Why not? 
throw them into the fire, right? But they're going to have a lot of those guys. Yeah. Gonna be a t- I'm looking at the defenseman that Evolving Wild is projecting to be unprotected. Dermot is maybe the least or the second least inspiring name here. Like, wow. Who are the lot. other ones? Shane Gossespierre, Vince Dunn, Nick Jensen, Mike Madison, Mark Giordano, Kevin Shattenkirk, Shit. Riley Stillman, Caleb Jones, Colin Miller, Matt Dumba, Oli Mata, Josh Brown. So he'd be in the bottom five in terms of inspiring names for me on that. There's definitely six defensemen there that, will, that are better than him. Some interesting names. I wonder sure how many of those guys will be great. moved too. Be interesting. Yeah. Sure, Dana would be a tough parting for Calgary. They're not. not just, they have it to. seems like they're not protecting him though. That's like the wow. Yeah, because they can't. They, if just they the go, the amount that he's done for mm-hmm. like Calgary, his charity. He won an ESP, I believe, for his charity work. Like, but he, the amount of work he's done for Calgary, like that's it's. I'm not saying just it's a tough way to go. Yeah, he's he's older. It's six point eight seven five. I have skated with them, so like. He's just such a great guy. So, like, mm-hmm. that's where I can't – I have a tough time, like, separating the person from, um, like, the actual on-ice yeah. product, right? I think a lot of Flames fans would echo your sentiment. 100%. I, yeah. He can still play, obviously. Do you remember I had, a, I had a brace on my thumb for, like, half a summer because – Of a clapper? From his clapper. Yeah. So, sorry, just – again, this is just evolving wild people on Twitter. Their projected list. Now, compare the D I just named to these forwards. So, Yanni Gord, who I – Highly doubt will be there, Highly by the way. Highly doubt that one. Anthony, Anthony Duclair, Mason Appleton, Eric Robinson, Nick Cousins, Jonas Donskoy, Jason Dickinson, Warren Fogel, Ryan Donato, Kiefer Bellows, Nick Ritchie, Richard Panic, Julian Gauthier. Seems like there's a lot of better defensemen for, uh, available than forwards for them. Yeah. That's why Alex Kerfoot's going to get picked in the expansion draft by Seattle. Hmm. And if it's between Kerfoot and Dermott, which I think people are, they're not taking Dermott. They're taking Kerfoot. That's yeah. my prediction. Yeah. So I just want to bring this up because I didn't get to it a, a little earlier, but there was a poll on Reddit. It's not the best source for the most intelligent people in the world. Whatever. It's it's Reddit. It's 1.6,000 people voted on it, and it was which D-man should the Leafs, ex- Leafs expose? It was Dermot or Hall, and 53%, 834 out of, of 1.6 thousand, picked Dermot. So yeah, I have no the, idea. There's a lot. There's a lot of consensus in Leaf Nation. Not consensus, but there's a lot of people. It's. I thought it'd be consensus protect Hall, so but there's I. clearly it's shocking to me. I it's clearly a debate now in Leaf Nation, and I, don't, I honestly don't think it should. To so go through submissions, Andrew Kills said Kerfoot. Um, Dave Pelage, who's a Sens fan, or no, sorry, his twin brother said Alex Kerfoot, and he just passed it along because. I guess they share a phone, these twins. I don't know. Um, Adam Orlowski said, definitely Kerf. Interesting. So f- all four submissions, Kerfoot. Interesting. Very yeah, I think Yeah, I think that's the most likely. Um, honestly, and I think that that's the one who I would prefer. Me too. I think I, I, really if you strip it down and take like the leaf glasses off it, again, and unless I don't know something about Dave Haxtell loving Travis Dermott, which I truly don't believe anybody on the coaching staff loves Travis Dermott. He would have played a lot more than 13 minutes if that was the case. Um, it's between Kerfoot and Hall. That's it. So take your pick. And I think, again, the contract makes a big difference. You're looking at three and a half versus two, and you're looking at a pretty vibrant forward market this summer. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Do you think Seattle, real quick, do you think Seattle takes a big free agency splash? 
I think they might try. I, I don't know who, though. That's the only thing. Like, who what would be considered? A, I think I asked this before. What would be considered a big splash? Are we using the Thomas Tatar line, like, over mm-hmm. above Thomas like Tatar? term, like over four years. Yeah, term. yeah, yeah, I do. Wow. I do. Nice. All right. Um, I think we've gotten through everything. Is there a difference between what you're expecting, what you're projecting, like your expect who you want, what you want the Leafs to do versus what they will? That's a good question. I think it's the same though. I I think it's four and four. I think yeah. I think that's what they're gonna do. We'll see. But I I think the other thing is we'll see in the coming days. But if they were protecting seven forwards, there there'd be somebody else on the team to yeah. protect. Like you're yeah. not wasting a spot. No offense on Wayne Simmons or Jason Spezza. Like yeah. those guys are expendable. And, and Jason Spezza wouldn't even get picked because he said, I'm not playing anywhere other than Toronto. Yeah. On top so. of this, I mean, Kerfoot did get dropped to the fourth line in the regular season. He was not good Something. in the regular season. He was very inconsistent. According to Jay Fresh's war model, Engvall was better than Kerfoot. Wow. So. And Engvall got scratched, too. Correct. Like, did not make the opening roster. So I mean, I'd love if they took Engvall. That would be like a... I would think that would be probably like a dream scenario. You'd rather them take Engvall over Kerfoot? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't. As, I'm much, not, as much as I'd like to move some cap for Kerfoot, I think he's a much better player than Engvall. Uh, you think he's two million, two and, and a half? Is it two million dollars better? Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. It would be two point two five. Two point two. Engvall's an ing- again, again, also, another inconsistent yeah, bottom he's, six player. He's just too similar to like we we got to mix up the bottom yes. six. Like yeah. it, it has to be yeah. done. That's yeah. a good question, though. Maybe not. Maybe the easier thing is yeah. they take Kerfoot and we just flip Engvall and you're, they're both gone. Yeah, That could be the other thing. Interesting. Because I, I don't want to run back a bottom six that has Simmons, Engvall, and Makayev again. Sorry. Plain and simple, you can't run back a bottom six that says inconsistent on and off as the, what the Leafs have had the past two seasons. I mean, like, you got rid of some inconsistent players and you brought in some more but i don't even think engvall's inconsistent he just does ha- not have a single piece of offensive upside to his game other right? than a hard shot the shot is fairly hard okay but that doesn't i mean show yeah. it like you know like he's never shown yeah. it really so yeah. that's the problem i mean i agree other than when he skates the top of the circles and then does a nice little spinneroo he has scored a couple <laughs> of those which are pretty <laughs> um but interesting Jason, expectation versus what you want. Uh, I I think my expectation or what my yeah. So I I I expect Kerfoot to be picked, and I want Kerfoot to be picked. I also expect them to move Dermot, and I would like them to move Dermot. Sorry, I want them to move Dermot, but I don't know if they will, and I hope they do. I really hope they do. I agree. I I I almost feel like there's a trade, like but. Maybe I'm just being hopeful. On top of this, I thought for sure going into this room was seven three one. I don't know. Twitter has poisoned my brain, though. I do expect, and I th- I think four four and one yeah. is what we're gonna. I need to see here. But unless Elliot Friedman says it or Bob McKenzie says, even Myrtle, like I think Myrtle's good, but I, unless one of the big insiders says no, the Leafs are going seven three one. I'll believe it when and I see it. And we haven't that. seen yeah. any of them say anything. No. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's interesting. And also knowing our luck, I feel like it's it's. 11.30 right now at 1 o'clock, Lisa, are going to announce a trade. <laughs> we 1 a.m. Not, not we, we, we haven't, haven't missed anything. It's yeah. not, we haven't been like... Oh, good. Steve Dangle podcast has gone on a streak. I was going to say, though, right as you said that, that's a guaranteed trade. Of course. Like, of yeah. course. Nice job, Jason. <laughs> so Montreal I'm not going to bed seven. tonight. <laughs> um, no, you're not. Um, so we got some rat race. I got a lot of questions for rat race. Do you guys have any? Uh, I just... 
I got a lot of questions, so like we got to keep the answers real quick, and then we can. We never do. I mostly never my do. fault to be honest, but. Um, you guys ready? Yep. Galchenyuk signs for over nine hundred and fifty k one year. Like in Toronto or anywhere? Yeah, Toronto. No. No. Yes, but only like fifty k to a hundred k more. One mil or one and one point oh. I hope not. He he was one point oh five this past year. I yeah. think nine hundred is going to be the number. Okay. Where does he play if they sign him? Quick. I don't know if he's going to sign with the Leafs. I'm just saying in general. No, we're saying the Leafs. Okay. If, I think a cheap second line option kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Cap uh, a cost it, effective move. It all it all depends on how it happens in free agency. I thought he was please. all right. Yeah. I'd be happy to bring him back. Why not? If he's if he doesn't work out, you send goodbye. Waiver trade. You did well with the Marlies once. You can do it again. Um, highest paid free agent forward will have an AAV of uh, over $8 million. Uh, no, unless I'm forgetting someone very obvious. So Taylor Hall is taking a, de- a decline? He's not getting eight anymore. Yeah. I also think he pri- he's going to prioritize like security and winning. Mm. RFA's counter only UFA's. UFA's. No. No? Uh, I said eight would because you say eight? that was... Yeah, eight. I, mm, maybe Landis Cog could get more. Maybe. Oh. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he, he okay. could get like 875 kind of. You know what I mean? Here's why, though. I agree, actually. But I think he's going to go back to Colorado and, and he's there's no chance he can sign that in Exactly, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow, that was a and great point. Small thing. Nice. Grubauer just said he 100% wants to stay in Colorado. So it's going to be tough to keep yeah. those three guys and sign other guys, which they'll probably have to do. Probably going to have to put them in a room. Here's the pie. How do you guys want to divide it? <laughs> That's actually what Edmund, uh, like, the lightning kind of did with Edmund Stamkos. But interesting. Let's make it quick. Make it quick. Frederick Anderson's next contract will have an AAV higher than four and a half million dollars. Absolutely. No I chance. hope not. God, if he does, wow. then good for him. Rude awakening for his agent. Fred. Absolutely no and chance. Rude awakening coming in free agency. I think so. I interesting. Yeah, I, I I'm interested because sorry, quick, quick, quick. But he's. Really, boys with Matthews, so I'd like he him is. to stay for the year. I'd, I'd, uh, hopefully, Matthews. <laughs> it's hard to take Matthews' word. I, I, Ma- okay, I hope Matthews can convince him to take a lower, lower salary. But I hope Justin <laughs> Bieber can too. Yeah, <laughs> um, I had one about the Leafs' assistant coaches. Throw that one out the window now. What was because, it hypothetically? Because they were linked to talk it, and then Elliot Freeman speculated maybe Richardson, maybe Boudreaux. So I asked. Well, they get one of those three. No. Clearly not. <laughs> I want Brucey Boudreaux. That's why even, even the expansion talk, th- this team has also been sneaky a little more cl- close to the vest with a lot of their moves compared to yeah. the past. So yeah. I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so here's a big one. Leafs lose more than five regulars from their playoff roster. And here are the names that I wrote down. I didn't even include – or sorry – I guess I have to add one. But here are the names. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk, Zach Bogosian, Riley Nash, Nick Foligno, Travis Dermott, or Justin Hole, or Alex Kerfoot, Freddie Anderson, Joe Thornton. What about Zach Hyman, too? And then I guess Zach Hyman, because I'm stupid. Uh, Of that list, guaranteed more than five. five More than five are gone. Yeah. Do you think Bogosian's back? No. I guess. Where? Yeah. Do you think Riley Nash is back fourth line? No. No. Galchenyuk? No. What do you put a percent? You don't think Galchenyuk's back? Nope, I, I, I put like a 60. I think everyone they want back is back already. Chance. Like they signed Simmons. They signed Spezza. Like how many more spots do you have on the bottom six? Really? You got to keep thinking about that, guys. There's not. 
It's not that many spots. Unless, again, that would be Makayev or Engvall are gone, too. Like, the churn will happen. So, I think yes. Seven, eight. So, I had eight names on. So, three, I would say, coming back. Yeah. Or I was more so thinking two, and then I had to add a couple. But uh, interesting. Can I do a quick one for you, too? Yeah. Uh, you had to keep one or trade keep one or keep one trade one. Mikhaev or Engvall. I think I already know your answer, but I would keep Mikhaev and trade Engvall yeah. for sure. Keep Mikhaev, yeah. Interesting. I would keep Engvall. I just prefer the center depth. But is he a good center though? He can play center. That's it. <laughs> he can play like we don't like again. We saw in the playoffs that we do lack. And Engvall played though. Played center, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying he was contributing to the lack of center depth. You no, just complained about the lack of center depth. I understand, but if we trade Engvall and we lose Kerfoot, who plays center for us? I don't know, but who played last time? And we, our biggest issue is that there wasn't enough depth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Out of those three guys, keep one of adding Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks or McKayev? No, McKayev. McKayev? I like I like the shiny new toy, even though I just made I know. ripped on people for. But we haven't Adam seen Brooks him is twenty five. Seen like, him yet? Ilya Mikhaev's twenty six. So what? Yanni Gord was twenty five when he broke. Adam Brooks into the is a glorified 26. kind of Alex Kerfoot kind of player. It's the same sort of thing. Doesn't have one top end kind of aspect to him, but does a lot of things really well. Um, my last last one. Do you, unless you have more. The one thing I was going to say about Mikhaev is he shot six percent this year. Like I know he has a bad shot, but he's not going to shoot six percent again. Next Hopefully year. not. Yeah. Yeah, and Knock he got wood. stopped on every single two-on-one. I, lo- I looked it up. He got stopped on every single two-on-one. The funny thing was the goals he scored were all crap. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's going to have a better hilarious. year. Yeah. Um, favorite pick that Vegas made in the 2017 expansion draft? Okay, when you say favorite pick, do you mean favorite move involving a pick or favorite straight player sure. they picked from a team? What did you orig- I want to go with what you originally intended. Just favorite on. move because I, I know I have one. In- I mean, the Florida one was, like, unbelievable. Yeah. Like, that's a good one. I have. There's so many. But yeah. I, yeah, I'm gonna say the Florida one. Uh, I'm gonna say the Shea Theodore one. Yeah, that's really the other like one, one I was thinking of. Uh, you have a lot to pick from. Yeah, <laughs> thank. Uh, like there's the 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 two. Okay, so Tuck doesn't really count because they were like traded, gave given picks to like. Well, that's what we're including. Shea no, Theodore we're including. You could like, do. Oh, that. you could do that. Okay, yeah, Alex Tuck. Interesting. Or, yeah, I, I also mean, didn't I was, they trade a second. To for them to take flurry, yes. that's a fun yep. one too. So I traded a second for them to take. Not flurry. bad, not bad. Just crazy, honestly. Like just the, the mismanagement here, like that's that's insane. The Anaheim Ducks traded Shea Theodore, which is insane, just for them to select Clayton Stoner over Josh Manson. Yeah, and Clayton and, Stoner was done for his career. Kind and of it, career. would you would you not take Shea Theodore over all four defensemen who the Anaheim 100%. Ducks are going to protect this 100%. Josh Manson draft? going to UFA? Like no, but it doesn't matter. They. Shea Theodore is better than every player. One hundred percent. I think it was. I think it was forward D goalie head coach GM owner. Yeah, Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks movie. Like he's better than all of them. And I think most sharp people said that on around that that exposure. Mm. Anyways, yeah. Anyways, that's all I got. You guys have anything else? No, we got a little contentious though today about Kyle Dubas. Hopefully, you guys or and not even I like Kyle Dubas a lot. I think he's great, but doesn't sound like it. No, that's not true at all. You're allowed to be critical, of course, and have disagreements and analyze. You got to be fair with your criticism, though. I, gonna, I don't know what part of that was unfair, though. Has they have they drafted a player in the last four years that's made an impact on the Leafs? So what? Okay, just just to go back, you said it's it takes, a simple question. It's a, it's a, yes, okay, rat race it, yes or no? It takes three years to develop a player, so you're giving him not a one, always, and you're giving him a one year window. Where 
Again, that one year he wasn't even like he wasn't again, in charge of the saying, scouts I'm in not, the draft. I'm not saying it as an indictment on just Kyle Dubas or just Sheldon Keefe or just I'm I just posed the question. Rasmus Sandin, that's it. How much of it? impact? Okay, it's kind of uh, so a healthy scratch in the first round of the playoffs is our biggest impact of the last four years. That's I I would probably guess that's probably the worst of any team in the NHL in that time. On I will even have top of tra- trading the Travis Connect me pick for Travis Dermott and then Jeremy Bracco and a bunch of other nonsense. So that one sucks too. I mean, there's a reason why the New Jersey Devils 20, 2006, 2016 were the worst team drafting developing players. Anyways. Well, the New Jersey Devils. Lou Lamoureux drafted Noah yeah. Dobson in the first round and played him, and they played him in the playoffs too, and he was their number one power play sheltered and minutes. Again, and they gave not, him the opportunity. Not with his draft board though. Not with his scouts. That was all Gar Snow, who's. Who is still in the Noah Dobson was Garth Snow? Yeah, he was. No, it was he didn't pick. 2018. No? He didn't. He didn't make 2018. 12th overall. When when did Lou Lamarell get signed? How much time do you have to prepare for the draft? Like and what, Oliver is that, Wallstrom in that one as well. Bodie Wild. I think that's more the scouts doing the work for him than him actually. I don't think so. Okay, I there's don't. a debate for that, but okay. The scouts don't make the picks. I understand that, but they also say, "Hey, I think you guys should pick this guy." Yeah, for sure. We gotta get it. We gotta find someone that'll. Give us more insight in that. We'll find. No, the, the the there's a reason. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. the scouts for the Leafs got fired 30 days after the pick. They're no yeah. again. It, it's they didn't make none of the players they picked in that draft. Made the it NHL. has nothing. But it has nothing to do with that. It has right. to do with unfortunately, the life of a scout is not the most glorious. It's and no. some teams see them as expendable. So it's in terms of the actual decision making process, it's usually the people at the top, and that's who should get criticism, and that's who should get praise. How do the people at the top formulate their decision? Not from scouts, man. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. You, okay. So do you think? We'll so so do you think Kyle Dubas has his good picks are formulated from scouts too? Then I think it's a mixture of things. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's only scouts, but I think the, the scouts are a huge factor in it. Yeah, they right. definitely play a part, no doubt. I think we can close it off now. Sure. Yeah. Go and rate the show. Go, Lee, go. Or uh, or we'll quit. <laughs>